Osman. Here's Barkley. A great time to score. And Jelovic! And it is headed in by Stephen Naismith. They've got the goal at the great time. And it is the birthday boy from very close range who has given Everton the lead. Not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello again, Evertonians, and welcome once again to the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Mr. Johnny Seven here, as always, with Mark Mack. Hello. We've won a game. Yay. Yeah, it's a bit of a different feeling this week. Uh, we're a bit, bit, bit happier. A bit happier? Happier, yeah. Or a bit hippier? Happier. I don't Ste- want to be hippier. Stephen Happier. Who do you play for now? I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Is it Liege? Pass. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, then... Um, we won, we beat Chelsea, which uh, out of all the games at the start of the season, when I looked down on the fixtures list, uh, if you'd said this was the one we were going to win first, I'd, uh, I don't think I'd have believed you. Yeah, very strange indeed. And it's, it's weird doing this today, isn't it? Because we haven't got a load of Evertonians watching us, watching our every, every, everything we say, and uh, we haven't got this constant buzz, uh, buzz in our ears like we did on Saturday at the Match Day special. Yeah, we did a Match Day live podcast at the weekend, and uh, our match day lounge at the players lounge and uh, obviously to say especially after the game once the atmosphere had kicked up a bit it wasn't uh, it wasn't the easiest podcast to do was it because we couldn't hear ourselves no, couldn't hear the at, at the uh, at the beginning it was what you could call a light din in the background as the day wore on and more and more people came in and the atmosphere built and obviously after the game couldn't hear yourself think could you well, obviously on that podcast we uh, we sort of went through the game in in a lot of detail, sort of before, during, and after the game. Uh, but we, as we always do, we'll do a quick recap for anyone who missed that podcast. Uh, and obviously now we've had time for the dust to settle on the game. Uh, what our thoughts are a few days later. Uh, so I mean, obviously one 0 win against Chelsea couldn't have asked for more, and a couple of great performances. Yeah, it really was. Um, you ate the goal off the top there, Naismith's uh, header. Just before half time, uh, and it was basically thirty seconds in, uh, thirty seconds into uh, injury time, and it could have been very different, though, couldn't it? It could have, yeah. I mean, it, I think it was that old cliche, wasn't it? There's no better time to score than, than just going into half time. But as you say, there, I mean, there, there was a few early moments, wasn't there, before we scored the goal? Yeah. One in particular with uh, uh, Tim Howard decided. Uh, I don't know what he decided. Did he wanted to play for Chelsea for? For a minute or two, then. yeah, great, great assist almost, but um, but it, it led to uh, Gareth Barry uh, really endeared himself to the Gladys Street, didn't it? And he, he's become you know like a favourite already. That one, that one moment, and the rest of his performance, but that one moment in particular. Uh, well, I thought there was some great performances on on Saturday. I thought you know I thought Morales played well, especially when he went up front on his own for the last sort of half an hour, twenty minutes. I thought Stephen A. Smith, who we talked about slightly, had a, a, his best game in Everton shirt by a million miles. Yeah, a nice little birthday present for us on his birthday, with a little goal there and the winner. Yeah, and but then, as you mentioned then, Gareth Barry, I thought, was head and shoulders above anyone else on the field. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and I dropped this in on, on the Facebook page of the day. I think, well, 
it's the as far as I can remember, it's the best Everton debut I can remember, right the way back to the first game I ever went to, which was Tony Cotty's debut. You where he scored, he scored the hat trick. <laughs> yeah, I've been racking my brains. I can't think of a better debut. No, I can't. He, he just he, uh, he he just really slotted in, not just slotted in and just performed like okay. He just he, he seems like a real leader in the team already, and that's after one game. And you know, a few people were a little bit. Um, Put off when we when we went in when we were talking about signing and we actually signed him. I think a lot of Blues uh, basically said, you know, prove us prove us right, eh, wrong, uh, and then he, he seems to be doing the biz straight away. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm happy. With, um, he's got he's got a lot to prove before the World Cup next year, as we've said on the transfer deadline day special, uh, and it can only be good for us. That's right, and um, obviously now it's just see if you can. Push on with what he's already started with. Um, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on sort of how we set out and how how we played during the game. I mean, there was there was periods of time where Chelsea, you know, they did sort of have the ball, a lot of possession, uh, but we never. I, I don't think we ever really got overrun. Uh, there was a, there was a funny sort of five ten minutes, wasn't there? Where, where you know after where Howard made that mistake, where I think we sort of went into panic mode a little bit, but. Apart from that, I thought we, you know, even though they had the large majority of the possession, I, I thought we, we sort of looked okay through most of the game. Yeah, um, it was one, it was a funny game because you know the, we, as as we've mentioned before, you know we've been we're leading the stats on possession so far this season and uh, also attempts on goal, and this was like the opposite of that. Chelsea had about sixty five to seventy percent possession. Uh, and you know we were we were battling to get the ball back a lot of the time. Chelsea had something like twenty attempts, and we had we had a handful. Um, but we came up with the results, so it kind of, kind of you know it, it, it's, it's a bit of a turn for the books really. And um, I thought there was some promising signs again from from Ross Barkley. I thought um, he always looked dangerous when he got the ball. Um, I'm still a bit worried about you know. It, his football and brain at the moment. Sometimes he doesn't release the ball as early as he should. Tends to run into blind alleys, but I think that's probably just part, you know, to come with his age and his experience. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and once that clicks and he starts playing that final ball, then we're gonna have a world beating, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, I t- told you about the stat before. We saw it on Facebook through the week. Um, only Frank Ribery, um, like you know, world class international, has made more dribbles. Um, I, I'm guessing it's successfully uh, so far this season. So that makes Ross Barkley our greediest player. Then. Yeah, the, the second greediest player in Europe. The second greediest <laughs> player in Europe. No, but uh, as you were saying, you know, some of the decisions, some of his decisions aren't always there. But he's constantly wants the ball, and when he gets the ball, he's a bit of skill, gets a yard. Remembering, uh, remembering his debut a few years ago, and you know, his upper body strength. He's just, he's just. You know, he's nearly impossible to knock off the ball. There's been comparisons this week, um, well, sorry, a few weeks ago with, with him and Rooney, the way they, when they get the ball, and, you know, it, difficult to knock off. But comparisons this week to, like, to Gaza and Zidane, you know, and, you know, it's, it's high praise indeed, isn't it? If it's anything like Zidane, nobody better skit his mind, otherwise it's going to be trouble, isn't it? <laughs> um, but just moving on slightly again, uh, we already mentioned Stevie Naismith before, uh, what did you think of his performance, Sean? I thought it was really good. He, he won every header. Um, I just hope, you know, there was a few a few times, even when he scored, a few times when he gave the ball away, 
and the crowd is just so eager to get on his back. And I, I think we, we need to get behind him now. And it's we all we all have a little bit of a joke. And you know, when when we saw his name on the team sheet, we were all wondered what was going on. Obviously, we found out that uh, Pino was injured on Friday. Um, but you know, you, you were telling me before about what Martinez had to say about him, and you know, that's that, that's it, it, it seems like. You know, he, he has got uh, a, a decent future at the club if he can kind of get re, re, recapture that kind of form he had at Rangers and play in the position that he should be playing in. Yeah. Um, and then, so, obviously, there was... What sort of pleased me the most about that game and that result as well on Saturday was um, Chelsea seemed to have an extra man in the game as well, which was the referee. There was some yeah. dodgy decisions in that game, wasn't it? I mean, you know... They, Chelsea, I thought, would were really dirty through most of the game. Picked up quite a few bookings, and then obviously there was a really contentious decision with uh, David Luiz. Yeah, first of all, first of all, you know this the, the, the incident that you just mentioned about David Luiz. Nobody picked up on this. Sky kind of I, I just rewatched the the, the 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 section um, of the Sky uh, Sky's coverage live, um, and uh, it's barely even. You know, no, 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 no blinked an eye at it. But they replayed the bit in the fair when when Hazard, uh, sorry, Oscar was going through, and he got fouled outside the box, but there was nothing given. But there was, you know, they were saying that that was their penalty shout. How is it a penalty shout if it's a foul outside the box? And that was replayed over and over and over. But David Luiz being a last man, bringing Morales down like with, with a rugby tackle, wasn't even was was barely given the replay. I think my point of view on this is. Is because the foul happened in our half. Yeah. That's why he's only giving me yellow cards. Even though, you know, Morales probably would have burst through. Nobody would have got anywhere near him, and he was still the last man. Whether it be in our dead half or not, I don't think that's clarified in the rules. So he's last man. That, that's given up. Definitely given him a way out. Harry Webb. That's given him an option because it was in our half. But the rules are the rules are rule, isn't it? If he's the last man. Morales had the whole pitch to run into. The closest player was Morales, eh, Mikel, who was about fifteen yards behind, just coming into. He was just coming into play um, when Morales has already been down a few seconds. So he's got to be last man. He's got to be. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and Morales, different class when he when he went up top. He looked uh, looked apart, didn't he? Yeah, definitely. It's a, definitely a different option from Jelovic. Uh, Jelovic ran his heart out again. Is is. Um, General play wasn't always the best though. He, he, he tried hard, but he didn't. Hold I, I thought he struggled against Larissa. Yeah, I thought he had the beating of him in the air. I mean, again, you know, I don't want to criticise Jelovic, but um, yeah, I mean, you, you, for me, you notice the difference when, when when he went off and Morales went up top. We looked a lot more dangerous. So that sort of you yeah, know, that's um, goes to show what Jelovic's performance was like. I think. I think a few things happened though. Jelovic obviously got tired. Um, his touch kind of went off a little bit and when the ball was going up to him it wasn't sticking and when you're 1-0 down against Chelsea you know who would dominate possession every ball out needs to stick or you need to you know you need to, you need to go further up the pitch or win a free kick whatever just don't lose possession so cheaply and a few times he did and um, he came, when he went off uh, was, was it for McCarthy? Uh, was it? was for, for McCarthy so Morales went up top but um, Ashley Cole went off a little bit after, and Luis went out to the left. 
So um, Morales had you know up up, uh, up the middle, and it's definitely a different option. You know it, it, the pace he's got with with and without the ball, it's just electrifying, and that scares the bejesus out of the defenders. Um, and yeah, he definitely he definitely had a more telling contribution when he was up the middle rather than out on the left. Uh, and I think overall the most surprising thing that happened all day was Frank Lampard came on the sofa didn't score fast. Yeah, <laughs> we were sat in the Gladys Street and I was just like every time every time Chelsea had the ball was just just stop Lampard, sit on him, do whatever, just don't let him. In fact, I think I said, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember you saying. I think I said, uh, would you just take a red card for Johnny Heisinger now when Lampard's walking up? Just go go two foot him off the bench. John, what, what John was wanted to happen was as Lampard's on the touchline warming up to come on, Heisinger two foot him when both of them aren't even on the pitch. Yeah, um, so maybe a bit cynical, but. I probably agreed with him at the time. He, deser- the he deserves it. The amount of goals he scored past us over the years. <laughs> so then, after uh, after uh, one thing, another thing I wanted to touch on actually before we move on slightly is the atmosphere. The atmosphere on Saturday was was I think somebody you mentioned to me it was like a game in the eighties. You know, it was that the atmosphere was that good in the second half in particular. I mean, we know what evening games are good or something like generally. But uh, yeah, I really did think the atmosphere was good. Then. Yeah, there wasn't as much. There wasn't much of a sing song as usual, but it was definitely buzz, like there was a hustle and bustle in the crowds, and it was um, very positive. Yeah, very positive. Yeah, um, and it, going into the game, not everyone seemed to be positive, so it was it was it was refreshing to to see that um, everyone seemed to be behind Martinez again. So that's you know, and uh, I know Mourinho came out the next day. Uh, and basically said, and he, he didn't mean this in any way to be derogatory of him, but he said Goodson Park's the most intimidating ground in the country. Uh, but intimidating in a good way, as in, you know, the crowd are like a 12th man to the team. Yeah, well, cheers, Jose. <laughs> um, so, obviously, from we then, after watching the Blues at Goodison, we then went back to the Players' Lounge and uh, the day just got even better because we had Kevin Sheedy in the house and we got to do a little interview with him. Yeah, so you're still starstruck now, aren't you? You're still <laughs> yeah, I'm still... I haven't washed my hands or anything yet from uh, from shaking hands with him. Um, Which we've done loads of times anyway, but it was just when you get to interview him, it was a little bit different, wasn't it? <laughs> it is, and, it, you know, Sheedy's always a bit special to me because when I was a kid growing up, he, he was my favourite player. I've always had a bit of a... A, a bit of a, a love for left wingers, uh, and Sheedy in particular was, uh, you know, such a great player. Did so much for the club, uh, and really nice fella as well. Yeah, just he was just he's so approachable, so down to earth. He, he had loads of time for us. We probably could have gone on for about ten, fifteen minutes with our little interview, but we didn't really want to. Have, you know, we, we we asked a few questions, but he's just really really accommodating, wasn't he? He was, yeah, uh, and a great day was had by all in the players' lounge. Yep, and hopefully we can uh, build on that now. So it's undefeated this season. It looks it looks a little bit different than it did two weeks ago, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean I think we're up to ninth in the table now, aren't we? Um, onwards and upwards. Ninth on the table on six points at the moment, uh, but only four points off top. <laughs> <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? I'm win- not going to start looking at the league yet because you'll end up sending like a cop fight because they 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 think the league's over already, don't they? Yeah, they will. Brought down to earth a little bit on Monday, weren't they? Um, they got, managed to scrape a draw, but Swansea battered them, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I think Agent I, Shelby came. You know. I know. St- five minutes into the game, the shouts game on Monday. Uh, I think my Facebook status read, uh, "I've always liked John Joe Shelby. Get in there, Lord Voldemort." Um, and then 
literally 30 seconds later, it was back to, forget what I've just said about Shelby, he's a gobshite. So, uh, yeah, it was an interesting game now, and, and Liverpool rode the luck so much in the second half of that game. I mean, Swansea should have walked away sort of 4-5-2 up at the end of it. Yeah, so they might be sat on top at the moment, but you can't see that. You can't see that staying. We're going to be up there above them again, where we should be in a couple of weeks. Uh, well, just, just touching back on Sheeds, um, all week on the Facebook page, we've been doing a bit of a Sheeds-themed week, haven't we? It's been uh, it's Sheeds week on uh, Not Bitter, Just Better. So uh, any fans of Kevin Sheedy, make sure you're uh, getting on the, the Facebook page and, uh, and having a look at the content we've been putting out there. Uh, we'll be back in, the set, in a sec with the latest news. I'm Kevin Sheedy and you're listening to the Not Bitter Just Better podcast. News! Hello, I'll have another little dance to that jingle. Uh, well, as the jingle says, it's time for the news. And uh, first up, we've got a little bit of injury news, really. Um, as we touched on before, Stephen P and I missed the game on Saturday, which was a bit of a, a bit of a shock going into the game, really, because we'd not heard of him getting a knock at all. Uh, and it looks like he got he got a knock in training on Friday. Yeah, same with Kone. Um, he had some kind of bruise on, bruise on his shin, not his chin. I did think you told me a bruised chin before. Uh, yeah, and someone... I was about to rip him a new a, a new backside when I, when I thought he'd missed the game through a bruised chin. Yeah, so all the controversy, so to speak, was about uh, PNR being dropped, but he actually was injured uh, for the weekend. But uh, reports today suggest him and Kone and also Gibson could return for the West Ham game at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, the latest news looks like there's varying reports on PNR earlier. Yesterday they were saying he could be out for up to four weeks um, with some sort of muscle injury, whether it be a hamstring or... Uh, and then today it's saying that he's got any injury and he might be back quicker. So, um, I don't know. I think we're going to have to wait and see with PNR really. Yeah, we just see. Well, we did all right without him on uh, Saturday, so maybe not. Don't, we don't need to rush him back, do we? We did. Um, I'd rather see him back in the side for Osman now after the amount of time Osman gave the ball away against Chelsea. But we're being positive about that because we won, so we won't mention that too much. Um, also on the injury front, um, it, it looks like Alcaraz and Gibson are both back in full training now. And it's quite an interesting piece in today's news with Martinez, uh, where he, he's touched on Gibson in particular, uh, saying that you know Gibson's a special type of player who, who can give the team something that no one else can. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But I thought Roberto didn't with the pre-season. They, they, they seem to have a few spats in of pre-season games um, where the... Gibson wasn't playing the way he wanted to, or you know, it was in that like kind of deep midfield role. Um, yeah, but he, he obviously rates him. Well, or do you think this could be a case of you know, Dan Gibson had to watch Gareth Barry give a great performance in basically his position yeah. on Saturday? Uh, do you think this could just be a case of Martinez trying to keep uh, Gibbo's head up a bit? Could be, could well be. Uh, but again, you were telling me before about uh, this, you know, Roberto may possibly having a bit of a swipe. Yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of little stories that's come out in the news this week, and I've got the impression in some of them that Martinez has been having a little go at Moyes. Um, he's been talking about Gibson and how he doesn't think his injury's been managed as well as it could have been in the past. Uh, and, you know, 
it's we the what we've got to do with Gibson is to get him fully fit rather than you know play him seventy percent fit or eighty percent. Yeah, we, we talked about that in one of our very first podcasts where you know, Moyes uh, played him at seventy percent, and that's how highly you know managers rate him. If you want to going to play him at seventy percent fit, uh, and you know just have have his play limited, but it seems like Roberto's got these extra players in now, and uh, maybe wants to get him back to one hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean the other thing that sort of popped up this week that uh, made me think that Martinez was having a go at Moyes was he's come out and he spoke about Stephen Naismith following obviously Naismith's great performance at the weekend uh, and he's basically said that he's trying to get Naismith to go back to the player he was at Rangers to, to be the attacking force he was at Rangers to play without any fear um, and it's sort of, it's hidden that you know, Moyes stifled him in some way last season and sort of played him out of position Played and made him sort of be a bit more defensive minded than he would be. Yeah, well, on his debut uh, in the pre-season friendly last year, uh, he got a hat trick. <laughs> so it seems like it was a little bit downhill from there, didn't it? And maybe that was, you know, the way Moyes does kind of, as you say, stifle the attack and play. You know, Barkley seems to have uh, been let off the reins a little bit. Uh, back to uh, to Naismith. Um, I'm, I'm hoping so. Like, like I was kind of saying before, um, I'm hoping he can push on from here now and you know uh, get the fans off his back. And I, I just want to, you know, I mentioned this to you before. What is it about players like Naismith that kind of uh, that makes the fans get on the back? Is it because the rubbish, or <laughs> is it because he's just a little bit of an unfashionable kind of player? You know, if it was you no know, Yelovich hasn't done great for us lately, but he's still got the support of the crowd. Naismith scored, you know, a few vital goals, scored in a derby, which normally buys you a bit of time. Is he is he that bad? No, well, he, he's clearly proved on Saturday he's not that bad. I, I don't think he's been getting a, a massively hard time. I just think there's been some rumbles of discontent. And if, like, you know, Martinez has said, he has been getting played out of position, he has not been allowed to play his natural game. Uh, by Moyes and by the previous regime, then then that's probably why you know we've not seen the best of him so far. You say he's not in his natural position. Isn't he played at left wing on Saturday? Is that his natural position? Well, I, I think he was given a bit more of a free reign, wasn't he? he? You know, potentially he was he was dropping back out to the left hand side, but we did see him, he he did seem to get a lot of the ball, a lot of the play, especially in the first half. A lot of Evans play did go through Naismith. I tell you what, though, you know, for a relatively small player, doesn't half win his fair share of headers, doesn't he? He does. He and does. he's always that option from um, when Howard's playing the goal kick long. It, it always tends to go out to the left. Well, obviously, and you know, following on from that, the fact that Naismith's now playing so well, or, or, or played one game so well, I should say, uh, and we seem to have a bit of a, a wealth of players in central midfield, and no. We've been linked with two other central midfielders. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, the, you know, the, the, there's little tra- bits of transfer rumour going round, and uh, a player we were linked to it earlier on in the summer, who we both said, well, I definitely said it in one because I don't rate him at all. Uh, Anderson from Man United, we've been linked with him again in the press last couple of days. Yeah, um, he's he's not the as of all Man United players, he's not the one you choose, is he? <laughs> No, he's definitely. But he probably is the one we most we are most likely to get. 
Yeah, you're probably right, but I mean, I, I just don't see. I don't think he'd start for us. So I think it'd be a bit of a pointless deal. So I, I, I said this about uh, Gary though, just just on, on that. It's, it's um, Gary. Who's Gary? It's Ga- Gazbaz, sorry, Gareth Barry. Um, when you you sign players from the top clubs, you know, if they're on the fringe of the top clubs, it doesn't mean they can't come in and do a do a job for sides like us. And you know, I don't want to not put us in with the top clubs, but I'm trying to be realistic about it. And I think he could come in and do a decent enough job for us. So you say that, but Tom Cleverley keeps him on the Man United side, so that that tells you how rubbish he must be. Yeah, um, but Tom Cleverley's not rubbish. He's just not like. Yeah, he's rubbish. He's, <laughs> not, rubbish. he's just not like a Robin Van Persie, mind you. Is he? He's not like he's he's not like like a superstar midfielder. Not that Van Persie is, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to. Anyway, you're babbling now. Anyway, um, I think we, you you spotted a little story linking us with another player. Oh yeah, you threw that at me now. I can't, I can't remember how to say his name. Was it? It was something a bit similar to Dembele, but it wasn't Dembele, was it? It was a CSKA Moscow player. Trying to buy myself a few seconds here. Uh, Newcastle were interested. Yeah, in Newcastle were, were being linked with him for 18 million. Seydou Dumbaya. Um, and he's a. We're and, linked with him for 18 million. Yeah. Where are we getting 18 million from? Uh, for, oh, well, that's a Fellaini deal, yeah. So, um, 25 year old Ivory Coast international. Um, but. He's, he's 57 goals in 88 outings. I thought you were going to say he's 57 then. You know what? No, he's not a midfielder, he's a striker. I'm a complete liar. <laughs> this is a well-researched section, this, on the podcast today, listen. Well, the, the, these transfer rumours are just uh, neither here nor there at the moment, are they? With, uh, now the deadline's passed, so... Yeah, we're, we're not obviously taking, you know, looking at these in any seriousness. We're just, this is, it's been a bit of a slow news week and we're just telling you what, what's been on the on the net and, and other outlets uh, this week. Yeah, I've mentioned to you before about this, uh, this Lukaku rumour that was doing the rounds on Sunday and Monday and people were saying that Chelsea could recall him um, and I don't know whether that's just uh, you know people speculating because uh, they thought Mourinho might have spat his dummy because we beat them um, but you know we, we both kind of uh, kind of agreed that you know there was a fee so you can't really recall after we offered a higher fee from West Brom which gave us the yeah my, my understanding about the loan market works is sometimes you hear that some deals have a loan fee attached, you know, depending on who the player is, it can be a small amount, it can be, you know, sometimes up to one million, two million a season even. Uh, and my understanding is that if a, if a loan fee's been paid, then the right to recall a player back before the end of the loan period is waived. So, for instance, if we pay Gabe Chelsea, say, I don't know, half a million or a million for the season, uh, yeah. then we get to keep it to the end of the season, whether they, they all their strikers get blown up and they've got no one to play up front it doesn't matter um, he's under contract for us for, for a year um, and, and that is my understanding but I don't know whether that's actually been confirmed whether the fee has been paid or not that seems to be the general understanding of it so I'm assuming so as well um, and, and obviously Lukaku's been out uh, a couple of times in the press this weekend and said of his, his delight at his, uh, his loan club beating his host club yeah, he's bound to be a bit peed off, isn't he? If he's been shipped out to West Brom and you know he got back there and he thought he was going to get a leading role, and then they've just brought Etu in, who didn't look like a shadow of his former self on Saturday, by the way, and um, 
Yeah, he's <laughs> he's been not sent off to Everton because it, it, it is a good move for him. Um, but he's bound to be a little bit. It's good to see that, I mean, because he, you know, yeah, he, doesn't have to right out, he doesn't have to come out and say that, does he? No, he and doesn't. he is running the risk of, of, you know, pissing off what basically is his current employer. Uh, as much as he's been loaned that to Evan, Chelsea still is playing in club, uh, and he could have said nothing. I'll tell you what was a bit bizarre, wasn't it? It was a bit bizarre when he got paraded on the pitch on Saturday. Uh, and the whole ground stood up on the floor, them, including the away end. <laughs> yeah. Which is a bit, yeah I, I can't recall that ever happening before. Yeah, so it's like, uh, here's a player we borrowed from Chelsea, and but, yeah, so you can clap him. And he's, got, he's our new number 17, and number 17 as well, it's good, isn't it? Uh, so we've had some, we've had some decent, decent number 17s before. Uh, Is he the first one since Kyle? I don't think anyone's had the shirt since Kyle. No, I don't think so. It's obviously Tim Kale, uh, I think Kinchelskis and, and Limpar were both. Um, number 17s in their time with Everton as well so exciting exciting times uh, and apart from that the only other real story this week has been uh, we've got another new kit and it's another it's another nice one I think yeah I really I, I, I really like the badge on it I'm not being sarcastic but the way they've I uh, told you it was growing on us I told you just I, I think the two tone rather um, it's it, just white and like a navy blue isn't yeah it? Uh, yeah and it, it just looks a little bit more classy uh, and I don't know I don't I don't know how how it can look that different but it does well I think taking away the yellow from the, from it takes away a little bit of that cartoony element that everyone was a bit uh, a bit up in arms with initially yeah but um, the, the kit was launched officially yesterday uh, with uh, our friend Lukaku. And uh, Delafayu launching it at the club shop. Apparently they got a, a good turnout and uh, flogged a few shirts on the back of that. Yeah, I saw those pictures and they both sat there in the kit. And I know it kind of makes sense, but it's a bit daft, isn't it? <laughs> do, do you think? What's a bit, what, having the players sat there? Players sat there. It's like the John, Ke- John Terry turning up to the Champions League final when he hadn't played in a full kit. It's funny you should say that because John Terry actually turned up oh, yesterday in an Everton kit, yeah, and uh, signed a few autographs. He likes to get around as Terry, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Uh, all the players' wives must have been out or something that night, so we had nothing to do. Uh, that could be that could be what gets us who come just <laughs> yeah. after I did that. Um, another, another, another bit that I, I want to bring up is what, again what you were saying before about uh, our, our, one of our favourites, Big Nevers, come out and um, had a little bit to say about Fellaini again. Yeah, he's basically said, I think the quote was Fellaini, good deal but good riddance. Yeah. So, you know, it's a big now, he's, he's not one for uh, keeping his trap shut, is he? Like, he loves to be outspoken, and we love him for it, because he, he's not he's not scared to say what he thinks, uh, and he obviously thinks, you know, as, as I think the majority of Evertonians do, that the Flamey deal was, was a great deal for the club. Definitely, and we don't want to go too much into like what is now United territory, but you know, we watched the game a little bit last night, and it seems like the Moyes, um, Moyes' decision, to, when he's brought him in, we were speculating on where he's going to play, and I thought he'd be more like box to box. But he seemed to be just in that Carrick role uh, with just, with Carrick. Just reminds me again if it was you who told you about four or five weeks ago. That's where Fellaini had ended up playing. Yeah, but I'd, I'd have thought you'd have, you'd have thought he would have been there, possibly in place of Carrick. No, no, I thought it, but I thought I think if you play back old podcasts, I definitely said both him and Cardiff were playing a defensive midfield. It's strange though, isn't it, for the champions to have two holding midfielders? I mean, maybe it does give a license for a few more, a bit more attacking. 
Well, what Johnny's not telling you at this point as well is that when he watched the game last night, um, he watched it on, you know, what we can only say is a stream. That no, pro- no, I put it on. It was on ITV. So. Oh, it was on ITV, but he wasn't paying full attention. Uh, and he actually thought uh, Fellaini was Kagawa after he grew his hair out slightly. No, I was, no, I didn't think that. I, what it was, I was, uh, I was trying to, I was trying to work out who it was because he was playing so deep, and I wasn't completely watching the game. I just caught it like glimpses. You know, I was, I think it was, we were watching, we were watching Twenty Four or something like that. And we put the game, put the game on for a little bit, and um, I was trying to work out who it was, and he, cause it was so deep. I thought. Kagawa doesn't normally play that deep, does he? <laughs> and then, uh, obviously, it was our, our, our old friend, Marawan. Um, anyway. You, you wouldn't have found Jack Bauer mistaking people like that. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, not bitter, just better. Or you can find us on Twitter at just better EFC. Okay, so we've just did our social media links. Uh, one of the big topics we've had this week was uh, a fantasy five-a-side team featuring yourself and four Everton greats, so to speak, or four of your favourite Everton, Everton players. So we've put together our own. Yeah, I mean, I just we. It was a quiet week, as we've said on the news front. So we, you know, to give the blues who were on the pages something to discuss, we just threw it out there. You know, if you could enter the five-a-side competition uh, and choose any four players to play in the competition with you, who would it be? And it doesn't have to be the best Everton players ever. It would be just four players you'd like to have a game of footy with uh, or have a bit of a laugh. So we we got a few. Daft Entenson didn't we throwing out the likes of you know your Stuart Barlow's and you know all your, your ex players who were a bit rubbish um, and you know we got some people who were putting really good sides in. I mean I think I think I saw one uh, the team I thought was going to win the tournament uh, was Southall in goal, the Holy Trinity, and the lad who put it forward, which I thought was you know. Yeah, you're not going to beat that. Either. If that lad can knock it, <laughs> if that lad's a half decent, they've got a good chance. Yeah, if he can knock the ball in, then yeah, that, they'd have a chance. Um, but you weren't, you're not allowing us any subs. No, I mean people weren't getting this. They, you know, it may be a fantasy tournament, and it may not be real, and it may be just for the laugh. But it's got, it's got to have rules, and the rules are you've got to play yourself, and there's only you only have four players with you. You don't have subs. Subs are for wimps. <laughs> so um, we, we just wanted to run through uh, the two sides we put together. I initially put a side in, uh, but I've scrapped that now completely because I've realised it's, it's not about winning, it's about having a laugh. So uh, I've completely changed my team from the other day now. So uh, what have you got for us anyway, Johnny, on my... Right, OK. Another, uh, another rule which I've just questioned, which you didn't seem to know the answer for, is uh, are we playing Masters Rules or traditional five-a-side, and my striking option, uh, depending on what, what it is, comes into play there. So you're asking me whether we're playing head height or not? Yes. Um, <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it in that much uh, detail. Uh, well, let's, let's see. Right, OK, give me a side if we're not playing head height. So if we can go over head height. If we can go over, over head height, my team is based on uh, players who I've seen and I'm going to go through them, and then we'll come up to the, to the attacking option, which brings that question into play. In goal, Big Nev, obviously. Uh, 
Controversial choice. I just realised I haven't got a goalkeeper. We're, I'm, we're playing spot keeper. We're playing on my team. We're playing. Go get an out. Yeah, we swap round every two goals or something. Um, my defender is a controversial one, uh, as in he's not the best defender in the world. But the reason I've chosen is because when everyone else is goosed from running around for an hour, he can still pop up and uh, finish like a striker. Matarati. Matarati. Yeah. Oh, that, that's a bizarre choice. Yeah, well, I was thinking. I was thinking a solid defender who, who, you know, I thought Billish was great for us when he first signed, and uh, we've obviously had great defenders over the years who I've seen. But I thought, you know, five sides, you know, it's a different type of game. So uh, always, always good for uh, giving the opposition a bit of stick as well. Yeah, <laughs> wind up, you know, get get get, get, a, get, a, get one of their five sent off, five against four, good odds. <laughs> um, but he could get sent off himself, so. Um, swings around about son swings around about um, right because you informed me that we didn't have a sub I, I did have Joe Parkey in the middle because he's got a little bit of Parkey um, so instead I've had to put myself in the middle uh, and then I've got uh, as fast break uh, outlet Kinchelskis and then this is where my question came into play Masters or traditional five aside playing overhead height big dunk playing traditional can't go over a head height Rooney Rooney or Duncan eh? so let me see you've got Southall Matarazzi yourself and I play five aside with Johnny on a regular basis and I, just so the listeners know I would describe Johnny as he's got a little bit of pace he's got a little bit of skill good little turn uh, couldn't finish to save his life so so he's a bit of a, a nippy sort of winger type midfield player. I don't mind the pass midfield Good roll. So, and then you've got um, Kinchelskis and Rooney or Duncan up front. Yeah. It's, a, it's a decent side. Kinchelskis, straight from, straight from the goalie, out. Kinchelskis, score before you blink the eye. The only problem is, I can't see you, Kinchelskis or Duncan, getting back. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm up and down. Kinchelskis can be... You can stay up there if he wants. I've gone for a slightly different tap here. Yeah, I believe so. I think I've gone more for, uh, you know, I've just sort of put a few of my favourites in. So my team is, probably the most defensive minded player I've got is me. <laughs> You're not, you can't defend, so you like. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So I've got, how would you describe me on the football pitch, John? Uh, you fancy yourself as a dead ball specialist, <laughs> which you don't really. Uh, <laughs> you don't get a final side. Get a final side. That's as much as I can say. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. So, where, where would you? What position would you say I, I most fancy myself in, or I'm most suited to? Probably uh, left or right wing. That's where you fancy yourself the most. Well, that's sort of where my team's going because I've got myself. Yeah. I've got David Ginola. Yeah. Who's going to play on the left wing? Yeah. So I'm playing on the left wing. I've got David Janelle on the left wing. Yeah, yeah, two left wingers. Two left wingers, yeah. I've got Anders Lempar. On the left wing. Yeah, on the left wing. I've got possibly the best Everton player I've ever seen in my lifetime. I know what you're going to say. Billy Lethnoff. <laughs> I'm going to play Billy probably on the left wing. Yeah. And then seeing this is Kevin Cheedy, I've got Kevin Cheedy. Okay, so... Um... So, I haven't got a goalkeeper. I've got five left-wingers. That's great, Dan. <laughs> but, I tell you, as long as we can keep the ball down the left-hand side of the pitch, we, we've got as good a shot as anyone. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I've got nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, also, I also contemplated throwing Preki in. But I decided last minute, I thought it was out to Preki or Limpar, and I decided to go for Limpar. Because I thought Preki probably won dead in field too much. No, no. Uh, Preki, one of, one of his... Uh, I remember Andy Graves to say this all the time about Preki having chalk on his boots because he stuck out wide and he stuck to the touchline all the time. Yeah, that was Maybe you should have put Preki in then because I don't think I've got enough width down the left. <laughs> yeah, you've got loads of width. Just yeah. There's gonna. I tell you what. The only problem I can see with my team there between Sheeds, Janola, and myself is if we do get a free kick, there's only gonna be one taker, which is me, obviously. But I could see there being a bit of a fight, and then there might be a bit of a fight for the shampoo in it afterwards as well. Yeah, between me and Janola. You know what he's like with that, uh, with his head and shoulders. Like he doesn't like to give that up easily. Well, I think you're definitely going to win after that. Put the holy trinity, put that team, uh, put it to bed. <laughs> the holy, who would they? The holy trinity. I've got Billy. Billy, it's a way forward. Yeah, so feel free to chip in with your um, your non-daft <laughs> five-a-side teams on our Facebook. Uh, if you can find, a, we'll probably sh- reshare that status. So you can see what other people... One of the good shouts people have come up with who you kind of don't associate with Everton, but Gazza. You know, oh, Gav- Gazza was a great shout, yeah. yeah. Gazza in his prime. You know, it's fantasy, so you can have Gazza in his prime, of course. He's played for the Blues, so you can have him. And they keep you amused in the bar afterwards when you're down the Power League or down <laughs> goals, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. On your footy, on your five-a-side footy uh, night out, definitely, definitely be a laugh. Goosebumps, as always, listening to Zed Cars there. Um, so now, we've got to the time, time in the show where we're just going to talk about our upcoming games. First of all, um, the we've West... We've got two, just yeah, two, so because by the time we've uh, played the Fulham game, we, it'll be prior to the next podcast, so we need to cover uh, both games, really. Yeah, so we'll do our best to cover the West Ham game, obviously, and then do our very best to try and speculate on what we're going to see against Fulham, which is going to be difficult. Um, but first up... West Ham. West Ham away, down at Upton Park on uh, Saturday. Um, we will, I'm assured, be getting a drunk match report, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners are, will be glad to hear. If anyone heard the, the last couple we've had from uh, our Rowan reporter, Paul Croden, um, he's going to be going down to West Ham uh, on Saturday. And, uh, do you think he'll make it or do you think he'll end up in Malta again this time? I think he's probably going to make it this time, yeah. Uh, I think he should be, you know, down there having a bit, having a few jelly deals maybe and uh, having a bit of cockney banter uh, and then giving us a match report. So, um, going into the game, uh, I think after the Chelsea game, I think I'm, I'm fairly confident. I don't think there's anything we should be afraid of in West Ham. Yeah, definitely not. Um, coming back of three, uh, coming on the back of three clean sheets, a uh, good solid performance against Chelsea. Um, last season we went there, uh, the game that would probably be, probably be remembered for those two daft uh, red cards uh, where Carlton Cole and Gibson both got sent off for high boot. 
um, and obviously both got rescinded shortly after. Uh, but we uh, we took a two-one win. Goals from Anachibi. Yeah, well, he's not going to score for us. Well, he's, he's definitely not going to score for us. Pina. Well, he's not going to score for us either. <laughs> he's injured, so uh... I, I rewatched Pina's goal before, and it was a great little shimmy by Osman surging into the six-yard box. And then what can only be described as bundled home by Pina. <laughs> do you remember the goal by any chance, Mark? Yeah, I do. And it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the most uh, skillful of uh, finishes, was it? Yeah, it, it wasn't exactly up there with his breakaway goal uh, against Arsenal a few years ago, where he broke out and chipped the goal. But they all count. They all count. Yeah, of course. Um, in when, that, he, when you made the uh, match of the day's goal of the season highlight reel or not, they all still count the same. Yeah, um, and in that game, Osman had a goal disallowed as well, so it could have been could have been three one. We'd have that this week this week as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously on current form, the two teams look fairly evenly matched. I suppose you would say. Um, obviously, Everton got six points in ninth position in the table at the moment, uh, and West Ham have got one place below in tenth uh, with five points. Um, so you know, it looks fairly evenly matched, but then you look at the injuries West Ham have got at the moment, um, and you know they are missing some of their what what I suppose you would call uh, the more dangerous players. Um, Andy Carroll isn't playing; he's injured. Good. Uh, Joe Cole is injured. Stuart Darman is injured. He <laughs> bought well for Liverpool, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, so I mean, well, they're three players who you know. They're the type of players who, when you play against Evan, will probably try that a little bit harder, and they obviously come from being excited. Like, so, uh, I'm, I'm fairly glad to see all three of them missing. Yeah, definitely. Um, possibly players coming into our team. Obviously, now Lukaku is eligible after his, uh, after not being eligible at the weekend against uh, against Chelsea. So well, that's that's the exciting one at the minute, isn't it? That, that's what we're all. We're all dying to see. If you look at the bench on on Saturday, we had we had Maggie Gay on there. Whereas bizarre, I know. I, I was I was shocked when I saw Maggie Gay's name on the team sheet. Yeah, uh, on on Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, you know, you've got Kone coming back in. Obviously, he's not impressed so far, but he's you know he's obviously Roberto rates him. Uh, we've got Lukaku coming into uh, into consideration. You might have Pinar back. Um, obviously, you've got the, McCarthy's going to be closer to fitness. Uh, Barry's still back in there. Gibbo might be in for consideration as well. Looks decent, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, can you? It's very difficult to change a winning side, though, isn't it? So, I mean, I think I think we'll see Lukaku coming for Jelovic, but do you think he'll start on the bench, Lukaku, or do you think he'll come straight in? I don't know what it is. I don't know whether Roberto can be put in the same kind of mould as these managers who, you know, like they buy, buy players or bring players in, and then they feel the need to bring them in off off the bench, you know, to kind of ease them into it. You know, if he's going to play, and why not just play him? I'm not saying you should drop Jelovic because he might need that. And it was, you know, d- decent uh, decent first half performance from him on Chelsea uh, in the Chelsea game when he got the assist. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. It's difficult to. to it's, a, it's a really difficult one because Jelovic has been the you know his first choice from now. Lukaku could come in and make an impact as a sub, and you know a lot of his games last season for West Bromwood as a sub. Um, I think. I think I would rather see him. 
see him play. Yeah. I think what he what he probably did last week against Barry was you saw he, you know I think he played Barry thinking he probably wouldn't get ninety minutes out of Barry, but yeah. rather than give him the last twenty minutes, he thought, well, I'll tell you what, I'll throw him on, I'll see how he gets on, and if we get an hour out of him, I'm happy, and then if he can, you know, if he gets 70, 80 minutes, even better. Uh, so I think maybe it might be better doing that with Lukaku as well, throw him on. Uh, and then shall we get on and, and rather than just getting 20 minutes that way he should get an hour or he should get 70 minutes just, and we, so we can see what he can do yeah and as Paul said uh, a few weeks ago about um, putting Jelovic on when the defenders are tired you know and then so he, he, you know, he, can, he can have a look from the bench see what's happening in the game come on and try and make an impact that way there's less kind of um, I don't know what, 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 the, what the word is less impact um, well he, he can come on and make an impact and um, less pressure on them to. I don't know why that took so long to think of that word. But, um, it's not a difficult word to remember. No, but le- less less pressure on them to perform in that way. Just come on and uh, maybe just you know have twenty minutes with you know Lukaku haven't done all the uh, running and tire their defenders out. Um, yeah, I mean, looking obviously we're coming off the back of a win. Uh, West Ham played Sunday, just gone. Uh, it was a nil-nil draw yeah. away at Southampton. Bit of a bit of a snooze fest. Uh, it wasn't the greatest game of football I've ever seen. Looking at the team they put out, um, Jaskalain and Goal. Do you know what? I've always liked Jaskalain. I've always thought he's a great shot stopper, difficult keeper to beat. I think. Yeah, um, he's, he's one of those visiting goalies who never, you know, when you when you you clap him and he comes down to your uh, to, comes down to the Gladys, he never claps back. He's so, horrible, you mean? Yeah. So yeah, he, he always pisses us off. Yeah. He's and then he then he pisses us off by uh, by saving loads <laughs> of shots. Yeah. Um, no great shakes in defence, really. Um, Joey O'Brien, uh, James Collins, uh, Keith Amell and Winston Reid. So, you know, no no superstars there. Collins is always fairly solid. Um, can be a bit of a threat on set pieces. And he, look, he looks like Sean, who sits, sits and by us in the match. he sits by us in the match, yeah. But, I mean, you know, you, you'd, fancy, you'd fancy score against that back line. Definitely. Uh, in midfield, they, they sit with two... Defensive midfielders, it was Mark Noble and uh, the Army, a player who we've been linked with in the past. Uh, Keith Marshall was just in front of defence for them. Uh, and then attacking wise, uh, Jarvis out wide on one side. They played Ravel Morrison, who's a, who's a sort of Manchester United pro, you know, prodigy, wasn't he? But was deemed a bit of a wild child and got, and got let go, and he's been picked up by West Ham. So we, you know, we, he's tipped to have a big future. Yeah, it's good, good pedigree there, isn't it? Um, and then obviously Kevin Nolan. And they were playing a lad called Maiga up front, who I don't know anything about, to be honest. No, I don't see. Nolan's obviously. Nolan's the one that we've got to be careful of, hasn't he? You know, yeah. Nolan can always pop up and score a goal. Jarvis like. looks decent. He's not, he's not always got the best end product, but he looks quite. Uh, Quite a handful on the wing. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, there was a, quite a few clubs interested in him when he was at Wolves, wasn't it? And then yeah. he, he got, the, you know, he was tipped to go on big money moves to the likes of. I think he was linked with ourselves. He was linked with, I think he was linked to Liverpool at one point, and then he ended up getting a move to West Ham, and he's not really, not really done much since he got there. I don't think. No, not much, but he could do. He, he has got that. He's got a little bit of a uh, winger pace, hasn't he? And uh, a little bit of skill, and uh, decent cross of the ball. Um, so. With that, we're probably glad that uh, Carroll's not playing. But you look at that on paper, I mean, if you, you write that team down and you write our team down, how many of them players we get on our side? I'm saying none. Maybe the army. But I don't know. I, I, yeah, I probably agree. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, there's no reason why we can't go there. 
we can't get three points. Yeah, so... Hey, well, prediction? No. You're still not doing it? No, well, I didn't predict on Saturday, and we won, so there you go. That's, that's, that's well, I, d- I did predict on Saturday, and I said, 1-1, one, one, we'd score in the first half, Bright tipped Jelovic, and then I said... And then you, went, you went far off. And then I said, late on, Lampard had come on the sub and scored a late equaliser, so I, I wasn't far off, so I'm going to go... I'm going to go in Everton and win. Yeah. And I'm going to go 1-0. I think it'll be fairly tight. And I think it could come from a set piece out of the free kick or a penalty. So 1-0, eh? So we're keeping up this clean sheet. Everyone, when Roberto came in, everyone was saying we're going to win games 4-3, 5-4, going to concede loads. We've kept three, three clean sheets on the bounce so far. And you're predicting another one? Yeah, I'm going to go 1-0. And I think if I was a better man, I'd be putting a cheeky little fiver or a cheeky little tenner. 1-0, Baines to score. Bainsey. You don't think Lukaku coming straight away? And I think he might. He's going to. I think he'll, he'll. I do think he'll play. I do think he'll start. And I think he'll cause some problems. But I've just got a sneaky little 1 0. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's 27 0. And Lukaku gets 26 of them. And Bainsey just scores the first goal. So I win my bet. But there you go. Just want to mention. Didn't, didn't mention it before. But the, um, the, on our team, um, do you think McCarthy might come in this time for Osman? Possibly. Osman against Chelsea was our poorest player by a long way. He, he, he surrendered possession so much, you know, he, there were so many mislaid passes, especially in the first half. That was my point of view on it. However, after the game, Martinez came out and said he thought Osman played well. Speaking to Kevin Sheedy, Kevin Sheedy said he was magnificent. Sheedy said he played well, so, I mean, they obviously know a lot more about football than I do, so maybe they saw something I didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was a popular opinion that Osman didn't have his best game for us and he hasn't had the best start of the season for us but what do we know as you, as you just said um, Martinez has you know, said he did well and Sheets said he's done well so as well, I say, what do we know What I will say though is obviously you know we've already talked Gareth Barry seemed to settle in straight away and look like he played for Everton for 10 years when McCarthy came on, I thought McCarthy looked a bit like you know a rabbit caught in a headlight. I thought he sort he sort of ran around a lot, like a headless chicken, chased the ball all over the place, but never really got a grip of it. I know he didn't have long, and it was his debut, and it was a it was a difficult situation for him to come into trying to hold a one nil lead. Um, but I just thought he looked maybe probably I would start him on the bench again if I was there. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't agree though that, that I don't, don't agree that he was he was a little bit. Um, overawed or anything like that I just thought he was no, I'm not saying overawed but I just think he, the situation he entered into was difficult for him and I thought you know he, he just he never really got into the game once he came on ok um, so I'm predicting a win Johnny's not predicting anything at the moment yeah I'm, I'm officially retired from predictions Um <laughs> Yeah, and I'm going to keep asking you every week. Yeah, fair enough. You can keep making yours and see how many you get right. <laughs> I'll just say that I've got, I've got, I've got to stick with me one wrong. Um, also, coming up, uh, we've got Fulham as well uh, away on Tuesday night, uh, 8 o'clock kickoff. So, mm. do you think the players will stay down there for one? Um, it makes sense too, wouldn't it? I mean, travelling backwards and forwards to London twice in the space of three days doesn't really make any sense. So, uh, I don't know whether he would stay down or not. I don't know if that's the done thing, but it, it, it seems to make sense, really. Um, 
give a good chance for the new players sort of probably to bed in a bit a bit of team spirit as well I would have thought but it's one of them ties really isn't it where it's early on in the competition you know it's not like a big marquee Premier League sort of clash with somebody but it's, it's a difficult little task I think it's one of those it's one. It's this competition it's one of those ones every year you, 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 your club like you can't say oh, it'll be nice to win it and then, then it's difficult to really care about it are we talking about the League Cup in general? Yeah, the League Cup in, in general. Do you know what? I, I don't subscribe to that. I think it's something we should... No, I, I don't I'm care about it, I think, because we've never won it for a start. After You know, how does a club like Everton not win a competition like that? And for a lot of years, it's been there for the taking as well. You know, Definitely. You really, it's, a really good, it's a really good way into Europe and it's a really good way for silverware. And also... If you look at the, the, the managers who used it as a springboard, springboard um, for success over the past few years, like uh, I think like, the City won it first, didn't they? It was one of the first ones, or was it the FA Cup? Won, but anyway, um, it, it's, it's just it's a way of starting to build on that uh, mentality, like a successful mentality. And yeah, there, I mean, there was a good few years there where the, the big sides were putting in putting out weakened teams in the league but that seems to over the last season or so I don't know if you noticed but that seems to have stopped and even the likes of you know your Chelsea's United's your Arsenal's they are playing virtually full strength teams or you know maybe not the you know the Premier League starting level but teams that were they're all international players who are playing for them um, so yeah I just I don't know what it is I'm just a little bit worried about this Fulham tie for the fact that it may be not be big enough for us to for the players to really get highly motivated for, and I, and I would have thought there'd be a lot of changes probably both to Fulham and Everton. It comes you know three days after the both played in the Premier League. Yeah, um, I think there will be a bit of a squad rotation thing going on, and um, so it, it's probably going to come down to who puts out the most sort of settled eleven on the day. I would have thought. Um, but we've got a good squad at the minute, so yeah, so we, we players could come in, and we could see Delafeo come back in again, and uh, I don't think he'll get a look in again on Saturday with you know the, the attacking options coming back into uh, consideration. So I could see Kone playing, yeah. I could see Delafeo playing, you know, Hibo, Oviedo, they all played in the last round, didn't he? So yeah. Um, would you want them to? I I, I think we. The last round was against Stevenage, which yeah. you know, Fulham are obviously going to be a much sustainer test than Stevenage. Fulham is just one of those tricky fixtures, anyway, isn't it? Up until recently, there was that amazing stat that um, every fixture that's been that's happened in like eighty odd years or something has gone um, with a single goal or somebody to, to the home side. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I've made, in my, in my, in most of the ones have been with a single goal over the last few years, um, but m- nearly. Nearly every single fixture has gone with the home side, um, and it was only I think Moyes Moyes took uh, the Blues down there a season or two ago and finally broke that. Um, Is that Andrew scored? Possibly. Dante. Mm, <laughs> we sure you didn't have him in my left wingers team, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, when I was thinking about the NAF five aside before, I, was, I said to you, uh, a winger who, who was like really shitty, who, who couldn't <laughs> take anyone on, and we never came up with Gentile. Yeah, we could have, we could have come up with him. Um, yeah, so it's a tricky, tricky fixture anyway. And Fulham, you know, th- this competition for sides like them, I don't want to 
like you know be too disrespectful about them. But it's it's a really you know it's a big competition for sides like them as well. And I've got a feeling we're looking at penalties. I think it's got a John Stones penalty wrote all over it, this one. Um, yeah, I, I, this could be one of them games I could see extra time penalties. But again, you know, it's almost a week away, this game, so it's very difficult for us at the moment to sort of give you any idea of team or any idea of, you know, what, what a result may be. But yeah, I think it could be a difficult tie. And it's a shame because I want to win the League Cup. Yeah, obviously a nice little trip down to Wembley would be great again. It would. Been there a few times last couple of years. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's fair to say we've got no chance of winning the league, isn't it? So the two cup competitions, are, you know, are our best chance of any success this year. Uh, and everyone talks about the top four, but I think I'd rather win a trophy uh, and finish fifth maybe than, than finish fourth. I don't know. It's a tough one, that, but. You know, just something for the, the, the blue boys to celebrate and a bit of a trophy to shut uh, those idiots over the park up always asking us, when's the last time you won the trophy? 1995. Fed up of it and that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, at, at the start of this little section then, you talked about uh, you know Paul going down there to West Ham um, and he's also just announced that he's got some tickets for the Man- and a coach for the Man City game coming up. So, as usual, people can get in touch with us to get booked onto them. Um, yeah, anyone interested in going down to City, coaching, ticket, um, deals are available. Um, and I'm 99.9% sure that I'm going on that as well. Um, so there will be a podcast recording of some sort uh, being done on the coach down there. So you can even get on the show if you want and uh, give us your, sort of your pre-match or post-match views on the coach there or what. Also, on that one... Um, believe next Monday we've already mentioned this on the, on, the, on the last couple of podcasts but a deal and a half for the uh, Newcastle game yeah Newcastle the 30th um, basically what you get for 45 quid you get a match ticket in the park end you get a 6 hour complimentary bar in the match lounge you get a little bite to eat before the game and you get to meet an Everton legend after the game and a bit of a meet and greet so uh, these packages usually total about 70 quid with your match ticket uh, and it's 45 pounds 45 quid it's uh, it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah so it's uh, a few other things coming up Paul's uh, Paul's link is since 1878.co.uk or uh, just get him on Twitter he does most of his wheeling and dealing so to speak on there and that's since 1878.co.uk no dots in it um, and he's got a few other things come up with Legends Night in Aintree uh, which I think you're going to be at that, but I'm I'm, I'm busy that night, unfortunately. Uh, Part time fan, you are. Yeah, um, uh, an evening with Alan Stubbs, which is a great one. Um, you can get in touch with us for more details, anyway. Yeah, there's always loads of Everton events coming up, and um, so I mean, even if you you just give us a an email or a message on Facebook at any time, and we'll go through what events we've got coming up. They're always good nights, um, so there should be something there for everyone, really. Okay, so as usual, we've waffled on for over an hour and it's uh, getting about time for our Hall of Fame, so that'll be coming up in a sec. Cooper for an Everton goal. What will happen this time? Sheedy takes and scores! Cooper couldn't come up with the answer again. Kevin Sheedy. 
keeper is left to reflect his delight from those wearing blue. Well, it's that time again. Uh, like we do every week, it's time for the Hall of Fame. Um, and most weeks, uh, Johnny and I have a little difference of opinion on who to put in, and we have a little conversation and a little argument. But this week was it was a no-brainer. Uh, we've been celebrating this man's career all week on the webpage, uh, and we, you know, fortunate enough to get a little interview with him last week. It is, of course, Kevin Sheedy. Best left foot in the history of Everton Football Club. Without a doubt, and when you think back, there's been some sweet left foot at our club, hasn't there? I mean, you only have to look at Leighton Baines's now, but uh, Sheeds is still miles ahead of Baines on the the, uh, the old left foot sticks, you think? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, as usual, just a quick rundown uh, about the Sheeds himself. Um, his full name, Kevin Mark, all the best people are called Mark. Sheedy. So Kevin Mark Sheedy, born 21st of October 1959, which means he's currently 53 years of age. Um, any ideas where he was born, Johnny? Liverpool? Uh, uh, no. He plays for the Republic of Ireland, that should be a clue. <laughs> that doesn't always mean a whole lot. <laughs> well, it's not really a clue, because he was born in Wales. Uh, he was born in Bullet Wells, in Wales. I've got no idea where about in Wales that is. Um, and... He, obviously, he's a, he was a, a left-wing maestro. Uh, he started his career with Hereford Town uh, before he moved on to... The Shite. The Shite, indeed. Uh, he did move on to the Shite, uh, but never really got a chance there. Uh, I think it was Shankly, possibly, who bought him. Well, possibly, I don't know. No idea. <laughs> anyway, he was at Liverpool... The, the, as usual, they're not the greatest uh, when it comes to judging talent, are they? So they, they left them to rot in the reserves. Uh, before he was picked up by Everton in 1982 uh, for a princely sum of £100,000. Still a fair whack then, wasn't it? A fair whack then, but when you, when you look at what he no. went on to do for the club... Uh, we paid was, less for Coleman now. <laughs> <laughs> it was bargain central, wasn't it, when, yeah, you, when you think about the theory after the Blues. Um, he, played, he made 357 appearances and scored 97 goals, so that's about what, one in... One in three, one in three and a half, which isn't bad for a winger. Yeah, good for good, uh, anyone in midfield, good uh, good, good return now. Uh, obviously, he played for Everton during the most successful period in the club's history, uh, throughout the mid-80s. Um, and on a, we'll touch on you know the things he won in a set, um, but on a personal basis, uh, you know, did you know this, right, that... In the entire 1980s, Kevin Sheedy was the man who scored the most free kicks in the country. No. <laughs> what are you doing now? <laughs> I'm enjoying your input into this so far. No, no, I didn't know, didn't know that to be honest. I didn't. Um, I can't think of any free kick specialists from the uh, from the 80s. Can you? Apart from Sheeds. I know you put me on the spot. No, not really. But I'm sure they were out there just as they are today. Um, some of his well-known free kicks. Um, we've got... I think the one that most people remembered as Blues is probably the Ipswich goal. Uh, double-taken one. Double-taken one, yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? 
Um, he took one, put it in. <laughs> the ref didn't like it. Took it again. Put it in the same corner, I believe, wasn't it? The other corner. I did it correct. It was the other corner. Uh, basically, what happened was it was uh, against Ipswich um, in 1985. Uh, Evan got a free kick, 25 yards out. She just nonchalant as you want, steps up, bangs a free kick into the keeper's left hand corner. Referee, for whatever reason, boils up, doesn't like the free kick. Orders the retake. Fair enough. Sheeds, as nonchalant as you want again, steps up, everyone's thinking this is going to the keeper's left hand corner again. Sheeds goes, Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Pings it in the in the, the keeper's right hand corner. Uh, you know, and basically just takes the piss out of the switch by scoring free kick from both corners. Um, and as we came into this segment, you may have heard uh, a bit of a clip about a famous free kick against Liverpool as well. Can you t- can you elaborate on that one for us, Johnny? Yeah, if um, if I had to describe it, you know, using like terms, you know, or compared to something which we can kind of relate to, like being a little bit younger now, and some of our younger listeners, it was a little bit sim- quite similar to Bainsey's against Newcastle uh, last season, the way he struck it and he put it into the same top corner, except it was more in the corner. She was like more in the corner. It was, it was better about the top corner as you can get, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. And it was against the shite, so which makes it ten times better anyway. And then, what probably gets you remembered more than the free kick is what happened afterwards. Yeah, so we just let, uh, let the sheets... Uh, Paul asked him uh, on Saturday to, uh, to relive that moment for us, so we'll just play that little clip for you. We'll just play you the live clip from Saturday. Um, obviously, this was done in a sort of guest-speaking role more than a, a one-on-one interview, so there is a bit of Evertonian background noise, but uh, I think the sheets can sum up exactly what happened with that free kick. Free kick, 25 yards out, cop ends. Um, best free kick I've ever hit. Uh, as soon as I left my boots and it was in, right in the top corner. And uh, for some unknown reason, I've gone to the cop end and did it that. And Adrian, he followed me and he gave it that. Yeah. So um, that was it. We, that was the equaliser. Uh, we got beats 3 1, but we, we won the league, so we lost the battle. Yeah, so uh, obviously what Sheets is alluding to there is uh, when he says, I gave it one of those, is basically he flicked the V sign at the cop. Uh, and uh, basically Heath was running after him to celebrate as well and give them a, a bit of an up yours as well. <laughs> yeah, it gave them a, an equally uh, insulting hand gesture, shall we say. Um, and I mean, if you'd ever want to become a legend at Everton Football Club, Scoring at the cop end and then running up and giving them the V sign is about as good as it gets, really, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm sure we'd all pay good money to be able to do something like that. Um, but touching on what he said, what she also went on to say there, obviously, we got beaten Anfield that day 3 1, um, but mm. Everton won the league that year. Uh, so looking at you know, she's achievements basically while he was at Everton, um, he was. Part of the 84 FA Cup run, although unfortunately he missed the final due to injury. Um, and then he won the league in 85 and 87, and obviously won the European Cup Winners' Cup in, uh, in 85. Yeah, got the pretty much, you know, the, the, the goal that put the game to bed, really, the, the third, after the 
3-1 victory. Uh, lovely dink over the goalie, as he as he described it himself. Great goal. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't... Going back to that game, I mean, Everton were 2-0 up and coasting before uh, Hans Krankel popped up and scored for Vienna, uh, which could have made it very hairy for the Blues, really. Uh, but basically, straight after the goal, she uh, goes up the other end and... And thinks a lovely little ball over the Vienna keeper and uh, three one and uh, happy days for the Blues. Yeah, one of the most Blues famous nights. Um, I think they were a say to win it. Every play that we've seen from that team uh, over the years after these after dinner things with Paul's events and stuff, they've all said you know that match was pretty much won after the, the Bayern semi final, wasn't it? Yeah, but you still got to put these sides away and, and the course, yeah. popped up and scored the winning goal in the final, which I'm sure is a great memory for them. Um, and then this, the, he stayed at Everton then uh, until 1992, um, before moving on to, to Newcastle, basically on a free transfer. Um, he stepped down the division uh, and helped Newcastle win the, the Division 1 title and, and gain promotion to the Premier League. Uh, that was in, a, in again, in 1992. Um, International-wise, he had a, a great career for the Republic of Ireland as well. Probably, in, He probably played at the time when Republic of Ireland were probably the most successful, I would have thought, too. Um, I don't know if you remember back, but uh, Italian 90, which was probably one of the best World Cups I can remember, really. Yeah, um, I was 11 at the time, so I just told everyone my age. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was when uh, you were 86, 90 and... Uh, and 94 Republic of Ireland like they, they put a decent squad together didn't they of, uh, which uh, the little joke at the beginning didn't matter if they were born in Ireland or not the, um, here's a question for you on, who do you think is the first ever player to score a World Cup goal for Ireland uh, I don't know Kevin Sheedy Kevin Sheedy Kevin I, should, I should have just guessed that <laughs> well yeah well, we haven't really talked to any other players although it might have been Robbie Keane I was going to say Robbie Keane to be honest because he popped up everywhere else do you know what saying about you know we, we mentioned Robbie Keane uh, last week and he's, he was born in 1980 I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have believed that at all <laughs> two years younger than me <laughs> right okay um, anyway get back to Kevin Sheedy um, in total he played 46 times for Ireland and scored 9 goals um, I think probably the highlight of his international career was, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, back going back to Italian 90, um, Ireland beat Romania 5-4 on penalties. I don't know if you remember any memories did, of that Did uh, Bonner? Bonner was in goal at the time. So did, yeah. didn't, didn't he score the decisive penalty? Though? Oh, I don't know, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, I might, um, might, 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 might scored the first of the penalties, though, I do know that. Uh, and then the Republic went on to the, the quarter-finals uh, and played the host Italy and lost 1-0 unfortunately um, but if there's ever been probably you know recognition of the Sheed's talent um, the Italian manager that day uh, man marked Sheedy uh, with, with an Italian legend uh, Giuseppe Bergami um, so I mean you know they had highlighted Sheedy as being a threat to Italy uh, that you know that, I like I, I like the way you're calling them the Sheeds. By the way, it's like the Rock or the Edge. It's like making them look like iconic. <laughs> he is iconic. The, the Sheeds, yeah. he? he's special, <laughs> he's special. Um, and then obviously after this, you know, 
once he re- retired from his playing career, um, what I can remember, I, I, once he finished playing, his first sort of return to football was a management team at Tramia Rovers, assistant manager at Tramia, uh, and then also did a bit of caretaking management there for them for a little while. Um, and then I think he went to Hartlepool after that for a little spell as manager uh, before returning to Everton's coaching staff coming home. Yeah, and, he, and just, his home is where he is, and home is where, after speaking to him on Saturday, it's, it's where he wants to stay. I think all his ambition at the moment uh, involves Everton, Everton Football Club, and you know he's an under-18s coach at the moment, um, and one day he could be, could be manager. You know, if he may, we could work his way up, but you know, he just he just seems happy at Everton. Uh, he's happy with the the setup. He's happy with the, the way the team's building, and it was just a, it was a real pleasure talking to him about it. Cause you know how enthusiastic and yeah, just a great great player, great legend for the club. Well, he's obviously joint managers with uh, Duncan Ferguson at the moment for the under 18s and from talking to him, he did say you know we'd love him and Duncan to remain as a partnership, yeah, to move up to the 21s and then. Hopefully, to one day manage Everton. And do you know what? Because Duncan Ferguson and Kevin Sheedy managing Everton, that would be class, wouldn't it? Yeah, if you had that, if you had that pairing on the pitch, it'd be good as well, wouldn't it? That oh. that sweet left foot onto the big man's head. Yeah, with the two of them in the prime, that would have been unstoppable. Yeah, Dunk's already kind of like established himself as a as a bit of an, well, an Everton legend, modern day legend for us anyway. But if he had that service, wow. <laughs> um, we're not serious very often on this podcast, uh, but I do want to just get serious for a minute. Um, we all got the bad news in August 2012 that the Sheeds had been diagnosed with bowel cancer. Uh, I think it came to a shock. To I mean, we met him a couple of times, yeah. and it certainly came to a shock to me. Uh, you know, we sort of kept the diagnosis out of the media for a while, and he continued to work with Evan. Um, and, and for a while there, uh, you know, I suppose like everyone, we were all worried about his health. Um, and I suppose it was probably the biggest, the biggest hurdle or the biggest battle he'd faced in his life. Um, but you know, just like the Sheeds is, um, he, he fought that battle head on, and, and, he, and he beat cancer uh, and made a full recovery. Um, and we. I'd, you know, we were very fortunate um, to to be at the first sportsman's dinner that he attended uh, following his recovery. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember this dinner, you know, probably for my whole life because I mean it, it was a star-studded dinner. It was like you know, virtually everyone from the eighty-four team, uh, you know, all in one room. Um, you know, greats like Kendall Ratcliffe. Uh, Shaw, and um, I remember when the Sheeds walked in that night, and the whole room rose to its feet, stood up, and and applauded him and and sang his name, and he got the loudest reception I've ever heard at, at a dinner ever, and it it made the it made the back of your ears stand up, didn't it? The, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Yeah, yeah, and I remember when when the news came out, and you know that you got the full support of the club, and the fans were great. You know, in, in the home games around the time as well, singing his name, and you know, really kind of stuck together for him, uh, like like blues do, really, isn't it? And and he, I like like a blue, as you said before, he fought through it, and and for, you know he's he's beat it. 
So the seeds in, in his career, he, he had the cop off, he had cancer off, yeah, uh, and he's just an all-round legend. Yeah, um, and he's just a welcome addition into our, our not better, just better Hall of Fame, isn't he? It's, it's, we've got we've got like we've got a ground, we've got a game, we've got uh, a couple of midfielders, a couple of strikers. You know, um, I think we said the other week when we put Lebone in that we'll never find a better captain. We can guarantee that we won't ever put a better captain into our Hall of Fame. Yeah, I say we can guarantee we'll never put a better left foot into our Hall of Fame. No, we go with go with that. You know, you, obviously you you got Baines, you got Baines on the side of the moment. You got a sweet left foot, but not as sweet as Sheedy's. Um, the greatest left peg to ever there. Uh, Ever, ever, ever. I'm not even going to say it, Evan. The greatest left foot in the world ever. To ever lace up a left boot. To ever lace up a left boot. Um, Kevin Sheedy, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so we're winding down once again uh, towards the end of another show. That was our Kevin Sheedy in our Hall of Fame. Um, if you didn't catch our interview with him uh, from the match day special against Chelsea on Saturday, that's up there on our Podbean site, uh, not bitter, just better. Podbean com is also on our SoundCloud and available on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, so you can subscribe. Johnny, can we have Kevin Cheesy on every week? I don't know. <laughs> I wish we could. Should we get him on as our as, a, as a, our third host? I think we should. Yeah, that's a great plan. If we could get me. Kevin Sheedy, David Ginola, Philly, Anders Limpar, as, as all as all as hosts, that would be great. So we'd be called Not Bitter, Just Left Wingers? Just Left Wingers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we just want to say thanks again for everyone uh, to lis- uh, for listening. Uh, thanks again for everyone who gets in touch on uh, Facebook, Twitter, people who've been emailing us with their own clips as well. It's, it's like, you know, it's good to have you uh, be a part of what we're doing as well. And our next show coming up will be next week now. No, uh, no match day special this week. So next Thursday, and we'll have reflection on the Fulham game, obviously in the cup on the Tuesday before, and Saturday's fixture against West Ham. So uh, from me, catch you next week. Later, potato. Hello, Mr. McNally, um, Roven reporter here. Uh, West Ham at the weekend. Um, last week, I said we'd get B3-1 by Chelsea. and um, I said I thought we'd score, but get B3-1. I got half of it right, we scored. We just didn't get B3-1. Uh, Big Tommy Ainsworth said he couldn't understand why Naismith was in the side. He just doesn't understand what he's got to give. So I think between me and Tommy, we've made a right royal fuck-up of that one last week. Um, West Ham this week we'll be doing our match day report and we'll send you some uh, theories about how the day will go on our way down there uh, but you know it's Wednesday afternoon now at this moment in time we've got to be on a high but um, I'm just wondering whether we'll revert to the old effort and then go down there and uh, let ourselves down so I'm going to go for a 2-1 defeat at the weekend so uh, there you go Mr Negativity signing out cheerio